This is Josh Sumby, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Egg Services in Drayton, North Dakota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good afternoon, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Whitney Pittman in studio. We'll also have reports from Randy Conan and Tyler Donaldson, both on the road at the Lake Region Extension Roundup in Devil's Lake. As mentioned, that uh, two-day event in its final day today in Devil's Lake. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Randy Conan is there. I am visiting with North Dakota Wheat Commission Policy and Marketing Director Jim Peterson. Jim, one of the presenters here at the Lake Region Extension Roundup. Uh, Jim, you're, you're tasked with kind of giving an overview of the 23-24 uh, uh, wheat outlook as well as wrapping up the 23 crop. Uh, and uh, we're sitting with tight supplies, but uh, outlook, what, what, I guess, what is the outlook? Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, right now all the markets seem pretty sluggish and, you know, kind of somewhat fatigued. Um, hopefully we're reaching some price stability levels, you know, the, especially like Minneapolis wheat, it seems to kind of want to hold at that $7 level and, um, you know, hopefully we don't break through there. But, you know, internationally, especially from corn and soybeans now, we're getting some new pressure from improving weather in South America. So then that has some carryover effect. But, you know, the, the building blocks of demand for spring wheat are we're seeing better exports. Uh, we're seeing good um, domestic demand. And it's just the big gorilla in the room is just incredibly cheap Russian wheat prices, which sets the floor for everything. Well, that's the thing. Are we seeing uh, exports kind of soften here then a little bit? Well, you know, certainly this fall we struggled because we were, you know, probably $3 a bushel premium to a lot of the Russian wheat for comparable qualities. You know, that's narrowed a bit, but we're still, you know, $2 or more a premium. But I think with some of the conflict in the Middle East, I think there's going to be some customers that look to maybe spread out their sourcing a little bit just so they don't get caught short. Uh, and actually, our recently our exports are starting to gain a little bit better traction, and it's all relative. You know, relative to six years ago, obviously we're we're much lower just because there's a lot more competition. But relative to six months ago, uh, I think we are capturing better sales than expected. And and China's been the big one there. They came in by a lot of soft red winter, and we're hopeful they will look at spring wheat here over the next couple of months. Jim Peterson, Marketing and Policy Director for the North Dakota Wheat Commission. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Randy Conan. The American Malting Barley Association has released its recommended list of barley varieties for 2024. The three editions are all two-row varieties. They in include a spring malting barley called BC Leandra and a two-row spring barley variety called ABI Raptor. A winter malting barley called Avalon was released by Virginia Tech. Three varieties were removed from the list. They were Innovation, Moravian, 37 and ABI Growler. Barley acres are expected to drop this year. NDSU Extension crops economist Frayne Olson spoke at the Lake Region Extension Roundup and said the barley industry has enjoyed a couple of years of good production. But also very, very high quality. The acceptance rates, the, the percentage of the crop that could be used for and it's acceptable for malting 
has been very, very high. So we're starting to get kind of a backlog of some really good quality barley that needs to w work its way through the system. And the challenge the barley industry is facing, of course, is total beer consumption is starting to slip a little bit. So our total beer consumption is going down, as well as the shift from a two row, uh, six row varieties into two row varieties have also increased the, the kind of the efficiency of the malting and the brewing process. Two row barley varieties have been in demand by craft brewers. Major brewery companies are also following that trend. As we get into kind of the new world of malting barley now, they're finding out that you know, by adding some additional adjuvants, by adding some additional enzymes into the two row packages, they're able to make the, the very traditional beers, what they call the, the adjunct brewers, the, the big, large breweries like the Anheuser-Busch's and the, and the Miller's and the Coors have been able to figure out how to use two-row barleys more effectively within their traditional formulas. So again, because of that and that shifting that's going on, there's still a demand for some six-row varieties, but the two-row varieties are really taking over the industry. And as a result, again, bushels and acreages are shifting. Compared to one year ago, third quarter transportation costs for shipping corn and soybeans declined through the Pacific Northwest and Gulf. The USDA Grain Transportation Report indicates these costs dropped from the second to third quarter through the P&W, but increased through the Gulf. Low water levels on the Mississippi River resulted in a 104% increase in barge rates. Year-to-year, -year, transportation costs for the PNW fell 17% for corn and 16% for soybeans due to a sizable decline in truck and ocean rates. A successful crop needs to get off to a good start. Helena Agri-Enterprises sales rep Tim Stanislawski says that comes down to crop nutrition. You know, a lot of people are asking, you know, how they get the, you know, most efficiency out of their, out of their fertilizer. Well, the most that you can get out of efficiency out of your fertilizer is make sure you start off, you know, with that early application in the spring. You know, make sure that root rotation gets into that and, and you know, takes as much nutrients you can. But, you know, we've had dry years, we've had wet years, we've had, you know, whatever, and sometimes they're not getting that fertilizer. Efficiency can be enhanced with a foliar fertilizer application. You know, when you can mix that stuff right away into your into your herbicides, you know, you don't, you don't have an extra pass, so it's, you know, it's a good way to get more fertilizer into that plant. With freeze up, there is little change this in this week's drought monitor. Northern Montana did see an increase in moderate drought conditions. The high plains were helped by a rain and snow system that moved through the region last week. Northern Colorado and eastern Nebraska enjoyed a small improvement in the moisture profile. The minutes from the mid-December Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting have been released. They indicate some Fed officials are worried about leaving interest rates elevated for too long. Others said the situation may warrant keeping the target rate at its current level for longer than expected. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson is also in Devil's Lake at the regional extension roundup. Preston Sundin of Sundin Ag. Preston, could you just a uh, quick, brief little uh, overview on the importance of sprayer hygiene, um, even just how often uh, cleaning should be done? Uh, yeah, well, it seems like we are, uh, as a producer, is out spraying uh, 
multiple modes of action, multiple active ingredients. We're adding a lot of different adjuvants. Uh, our crops are becoming uh, with with multiple traits in there, and we're switching back and forth. Uh, pre's have been uh, becoming more and more popular. So the sprayer leaves the shed in, in April and doesn't get put away till November, um, and, and we're mixing and loading. And a lot of these formulations are very, very highly concentrated. So if you do have some residue left in the sprayer and it carries over to a crop that it may have some sensitivity to that particular residue, uh, you can run into some trouble. So uh, just cleaning out the sprayer, you know, performing the triple rinse, and then today went through just some of the the hidden things that uh, that pop up, like our uh, places on the uh, nurse trailer, uh, maybe even our bulk water, uh, where we're getting our chemical if we have on-farm storage and things aren't stored properly. So there's just a lot of things that come into, say, sprayer hygiene, um, but it is very important for the grower to, to have a good uh, regiment on how they're going to clean their sprayer and then do it often. If you've seen or if you've heard of anything uh, in sort of the tech sector that maybe like emerging techs that might influence or be play a role in the future of just uh, hygiene and cleaning, whether it's on the actual cleaning side or the record keeping or anything like that. Oh, yeah, technology is, is ingrained everywhere on sprayers as there are self-cleanouts. Um, there are uh, one problem that was, you know, maybe years years ago was was wreaking havoc was uh, uh, part of the boom past the last nozzle. There was always a short little stub pipe that would keep some residue in there, uh, and so we're eliminating that with different kits or making people aware. Uh, now these booms are are have recirculatory uh, features on them where where it doesn't end at the end of the section it recirculates back into the sprayer so that's helping just keep everything flushed out so no technology is is uh, is amazing but uh, it it does then make things more complicated like the self cleaning sprayer if you're the uh, the seasoned operator you know exactly how that works if I show up to a farm to help out for a day I have no clue how that works mm -hmm. so um, with technology comes sophistication I always say sophistication <laughs> brings complexity but uh, you know you, you learn your systems and, and understand them and, and uh, you know make sure you're doing the proper procedures absolutely yeah from the Lake Region Extension Roundup on the Red River Farm Network I'm Tyler Donaldson Dairy margin coverage and the dairy revenue protection programs have blunted the pain of $15 class 3 milk. Ever Ag Insights president Phil Plord says these programs have had a major impact. The bottom line is that the steady stream of DMC payments this year have been a lifeline for a lot of small to medium producers. I mean, I know some folks out there who have said, you know, all in all, 2022 wasn't nearly as bad a year as it could have been uh, outside of DMC. And then if you look at the DRP program on top of that, I've paid out more than $400 million through Q3 in net indemnities. For producers using that program, uh, that's also been a big help. The industry has changed over time, resulting in fewer but larger dairy operations. Plord says the remaining dairy producers tend to be a hardy group, making it difficult to reduce milk production in a significant way. U.S. dairy export demand is stagnant. Domestic demand is also flat. Higher menu prices in restaurants have cut the, cut the traffic. If you look at the big three pizza chains uh, that report publicly in, in Q3, none of them had a great quarter. Uh, prices are high. I think that's leading to cutbacks. You have you know, student loan repayments coming online. You have sort of a realignment of SNAP dollars 
uh, as the COVID emergency came to an official end, you're looking at you know substantial inflation on a, on a two-year stacked basis, consumer credit card debt at all-time record levels. And so while things aren't terrible, uh, the consumer has gotten a little bit more conservative and had to retrench a little bit uh, in the current economic climate. In Florida's view, all segments of the dairy industry struggled in 2023. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Dairy Management Incorporated board member and Buffalo, Minnesota farmer Charles Krause says the dairy checkoff has set a goal for the industry to be carbon neutral by 2050. There are several initiatives that they have made significant progress on in 2023. To do that, we, we started doing taking metric measurements and setting a baseline to go from. And every year, farmers become more and more efficient at what we do and more innovative in what we do. And so that's something that um, is on our favor uh, as on the dairy side. The things that we uh, work on with the checkoff is through the Innovation Center on a pre-competitive basis. Um, we have 75% of the milk that's committed to the dairy stewardship commitment and um, and that's the co-ops and processors that work together that way. Small changes are all coming together. Individual farms, we're not expected to all make the, the big change and, and put digesters in, but it's the little things that we do every day. There's new feed ingredients that are going to be known and FDA will approve to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions from a, the methane emissions from a cow. There's little things on my farm where we're working with the company to possibly put a digester on our farm. And so there's big things you can do and there's little things you can do, but the dairy checkoff is there to help farmers along that pathway to be part of the solution and to champion that we are part of the solution to the climate uh, issues that the consumer wants us to address. Checking markets, Minneapolis wheat, March three and a quarter higher at 7.11 and three quarters. Chicago wheat for March 13 and a quarter higher and the KC contract for wheat four cents higher. March corn one and a half higher, 4.66 and three quarters. March soybeans down nine and a quarter. 1267 and three quarters. Canola futures March 63090 Canadian down 11 bucks. Live cattle down 72 for February. January feeder cattle 22457 down a buck and a half. Hogs are higher, $3.60 higher for February at 6892. And the Dow right now is 129 points to the plus side. That's agriculture today. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.